This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a book this week. I watched a movie. This week we are covering The Green Knight. Just hit theaters across the country. You can only see this in theaters. Don't make that mistake like I did. I <laughs> uh, David Lowry brings us The Green Knight, an incredible new vision. Maybe you've heard of his other film uh, in recent years, A Ghost Story with Casey Affleck. Independent, artsy, yes, kind yes. of. A24, yeah. what else? Well, you know, you don't have to say. If, <laughs> I went into this blind. I didn't even know it was his film. It's a wonderful adaptation of a great many things, and that's why we're doing this this week, because this is, un unlike many things we do, this is a plentiful, this is a cornucopia of a genre and tale, and so yeah. I, I'm really And also spoilers for... Yes, definitely. It's based on a 14th century poem, so <laughs> you could, I mean, maybe people have read that in an English class or something, but yeah, if you want to go into the film like Evan did, knowing nothing... It was wonderful. First. Yeah. And, and I was present in mind. It was the first movie I saw and I've seen in a theater since the pandemic started well over a year. Oh. That's probably the first time that's happened in my life since I was before I was a teenager. I've been going to the theater at least every few weeks or a month or so and found the subjugation of myself to the screen really sobering. And for my first trip back to the theater to be something like this, The Green Knight, for this filmmaker, this studio... Yeah, I, I, money well spent as far as I'm concerned. And I had a very great time going back to the theater for the very first time. I don't know how often I'll be doing it. I, I, I right. didn't even intend to do it this time, if, if I'm telling the absolute <laughs> truth. For uh, for somebody to be subjugated to, David Lowry directed, wrote, edited, and produced. So you really got all of what he wanted you to see. Yeah. Uh, yep. Nothing <laughs> more and nothing less. Uh, this this is not a film with a ton of pretense, and I know it might I might sound like an idiot based on some images you've seen, but <laughs> as you're going through it, it's very very simple visual storytelling. Yeah, um, and and I really appreciated that. This is a movie that is accessible. This is this is not something you have to be sitting around trying to d discern the point. Uh, you're going to get it because he is a fantastic <laughs> director, and every image That's is great. crafted to tell you exactly what you should, and it lulls you right through it, and it is beautiful so one of the things about that that i just saw just a little bit of the production stuff he spent six months re-editing it because south by southwest where it was supposed to show was canceled in 2020 mm. wow that's great that he was like oh i didn't like it sometimes giving more time to fix wow. it you get george lucas adding that's you know i would love cgi i would stuff, love yeah. to know what that first cut look like just now <laughs> just going back because and this is part of my process i just am exposed to the thing i don't even know who's responsible and then it's how go back uh so it's like mm -hmm. i would now having seen this compare and what changes what's yeah oh, oh beautiful i would sometimes I think looking at things like that you know thing. an old draft yeah. a new draft will highlight exactly mm -hmm. what was different uh really clearly yeah. so that that's that's fantastic to hear and in using something like the pandemic which uh, horrible in, in every way you look, mm -hmm. uh, but to use it as an opportunity to like, tinker with something and make it make it better, yeah. get a second chance at something, that's awesome. And speaking of what's old and what's new, I saw there were two other adaptations, because The Green Knight we'll get into in a second, but that is its own story in the King Arthur mythos. But two other movies tackled The Green Knight. The second one Sean Connery played the Green Knight, but both of them were by the same director. So this was in 1973 and 1984. Okay. And he remade 
the Green Knight that he did <laughs> the first time. <laughs> Both of them did not do very well at all, critically panned, etc. But <laughs> did he go did back exist. to the studios like one more, one more shot? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Just the third John, uh, the second the John. One, yeah, the second one had even less to do with the original. And so I guess if you cared about that, it would be a distaste in your mouth. But yeah, that's the only other Green Knight stuff that exists. Although Sir Gawain, which for the pronunciation, different places, different ways. So it could mm -hmm. be Gawain or Gawain. And then Lowry was saying, he, Sean Harris, who plays King Arthur in this, he said... Garwin or something in the movie and he's like I know he's a good actor and he does tons of research so obviously that's a way to you know he didn't just like grab the script five seconds before getting on set and be like well I guess I'll say it like that so he said <laughs> yeah let's go with it that's how he says it in the in the movie so it, it's said all different ways so I'll probably say it 12 trillion different ways oh man when we're, I, when we're talking about up, it but I just love the actor that they chose for this and his entire part in mm -hmm. this uh, I thought was mm -hmm. it's King Arthur in a way that I've never even considered or thought of it's, it's what he stands for in the plot and what he does differently in his archetype and the first act I just was so taken with <laughs> and then and that comes mm. down to that act. I mean that actor is amazing yeah. I don't know who that guy is but that's that's a name I'll be looking up after the show Sean Harris I'm not sure what else he is in, but yeah, he's Sean he, Harris. <laughs> incredible. I mean, the cadence, the the empathy there, uh, mm -hmm. the, 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 the depiction of this dying king was just absolutely uh, enthralling. Yeah, it was weird. It was uh, most most of the time when these these archetypes are presented to me in these films, I'm ready to dislike them, and it was so the mm -hmm. other direction immediately. And I, and by the by by the end of some of his first lines or his maybe his second or third scene i'm going this is this is, this is the greatest king i've ever i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> yeah well let's let's we should talk about king arthur as a whole because it's great that you bring him up and like what he does with it kind of like when we talked about sherlock holmes when we did our enola holmes episode it's like is he real was he real did and, he have and, and it's I not mean, even yeah. clear because you're like is dev patel King Ar is he or is he no Dev Patel <laughs> right. the Green Knight and then the Green Knight shows up and you're like it's so not, Dev yeah. Patel is not the Green <laughs> Sir Gawain yeah yeah you don't even know anything yeah so it is a mess so, you're like, so that, I, that is made King me Arthur it's all you know yeah. like, it, it, after a while but it was it was it, the you know and it's the discovery which if you were there experiencing it, that's how you would pick it up and it's so I I, yeah. I I thought of that during the film so very interesting here <laughs> and props to the group for not leaning into because they could have easily slapped on from the mythos of King Arthur, and then that puts it in a totally different place. When right. I saw the trailer, I thought, oh, this is a original epic yeah. fantasy, yeah. Me medieval Game of thrones -y perhaps kind of thing. I didn't know that it's, oh, it's, it's based on a classic story. But King Arthur as a whole, he's likely inspired by several historical figures because this is so long ago. Yeah. The first account that could be placed was by a 6th century monk, and this was telling about this leader winning against the Saxons, though he was not mm. named Arthur, but just some sort of military yeah. figure. And then 200 years later, he appears again as Arthur, but it did not say he was king, but it already had these sort of mythical tones that he had single-handedly killed 900 Saxons on his own. Yeah. Then 500 years after Arthur would have actually lived, and this is now in the 11th century, this is where he gets upgraded to a king. You get Guinevere 
Merlin, Morgan Le Fay is the sorceress that's always trying to mess up his game. Yeah. Excalibur gets added, all of that stuff. And this is a piece by one guy, and it's called The History of the Kings of Britain. Also, this is where King Lear gets introduced, so Shakespeare would have pulled from this. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, this is kind of the, the manifest of the history back forever of all of Britain. <laughs> and so this was given historical credence until about the 16th century, and now people are like, no, this is, this is much closer to myth. And where did this guy even get <laughs> all of this stuff that he's saying happened? Right, right. But of course now, globalizing, it's making its way to France, it's given new life as the stories change. A lot of the Welsh pagan roots got stripped out and it becomes more chivalrous and knights and searching for the grail and the court and Lancelot, uh, all of that okay. stuff comes <laughs> later. That's how it progresses and who King Arthur, not real, probably based on a guy who did something. <laughs> and then just the telephone game, it got more and more crazy right. until there's a thousand people at the, at the round table. And I was there. Yeah, everybody was. <laughs> Even the guy writing it, yeah. So that leads us to the Green Knight, one of the knights of the round table. This was written in the 14th century. So the, the OG one that really cemented everything was the 11th century. Okay. Much later. And the Green yeah. Knight combines Welsh, Irish, English, French influence. Because like I said, as it progresses, more of these cultures get embodied in the story. Uh, just for, to, to that point, yeah, yeah. the film feels like that. So as this is revealing mm. itself, uh, it, it, it you get influences, you can tell. Uh, if, you, you know, mm -hmm. if you're a student of anything, you, you should see that it's pulling in a lot of different directions, a lot of different cultures. And so it's like, this is not one thing or the other. And that's why the name thing was so confusing for just a moment. But it's like, this is not <laughs> strictly an adaptation of this or that. It is an amalgamation. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a composite. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it is all the better, better for that. Interesting, too, that the... Amalgamation was compiled by an anonymous person. They don't know who wrote the Green Knight story. I mean, though it has come about for you know, it's been around for seven hundred years. We so all maybe wrote even it. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was even written it, on the, the winds of time, Taylor, <laughs> and got changed. And yeah, we everything. are so, the Green Knight. <laughs> don't you get the story anyway? Maybe we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> It was written in Middle English, which I can't read that, so I had to read a translation. Nobody can read that yeah. anymore. 101 stanzas. It is a poem, so it's written in right. a certain yeah. rhyme and meter. And despite the manuscript that existed, or versions of manuscripts, it was not officially published until 1839, which I guess really? when historical oh people gosh. decided, oh, the public might like this. It might be <laughs> of note for the general public. Oh, so my God. We were robbed. It hasn't. Our cultures were robbed. Yeah, uh, that's a big so person late. who did that's it. So, yeah. I just yeah. like that's yeah. hard to like. Can, that's easy to just throw dates around, but let's just say eighteen what? Eighteen thirty nine. Eighteen thirty nine. That's just an incredible amount of time for that to be held hidden, <laughs> hidden away, basically for anybody who couldn't have access to it or or read it. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's insane. So one of the people that brought it into the forefront. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien did a translation because you know him. He was all about the oh, He probably added a bunch of junk. See, it is written by everybody, Taylor. <laughs> well, now nah, was... we got to stop this episode. It's written by everybody. <laughs> so, what was interesting about him 
1925 was when he did this. But a lot of editions where he did the translation, they list him as the author, not as the translator. So it did confuse Whoops. people. Yeah. <laughs> so you're right. Oh, he added to it. Uh, I'll tell you. No. <laughs> he did not add he to it. Put a name on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he did, but probably not. <laughs> That's what he did. Anyway. Um, um, so let's talk about the official story of the poem as I read it. Very simple yes. in the same way as the thing yes. as the film, but we'll I'll pull out the pieces that are different and worth commenting on to the variations on the theme and what David Lowry was interested in. So the story from the poem, some versions of it, it takes place on New Year's Eve instead of Christmas Eve, but most of them Christmas Eve is when it happens, which mm. maybe has something to do with the religious overtones of that and that such a pagan thing as the Green Knight mm -hmm. would appear on Christmas Eve has a lot of symbology. Sir Gawain is the same youngest of his knights. It is his nephew. King Arthur does the thing where he says, oh, people must tell a story of adventure. But it, it isn't the same where he says, oh, I don't have one. He is a knight. It's called Sir Gawain. He's already a knight in the mm -hmm. poem. And, and that would be my the first distinction there is in the film is very much. He starts the film saying, I'm not ready. And you, mm -hmm. you hear moments after that, I'm not a knight yet. I want to yeah. be a knight, I'm not a knight yet. And yeah. then the film ends with, I'm, I think I'm, I'm ready. Um, so that that is, it's him, the coming of age, yes. Yeah, the entire onus of the poem is more about, he's a knight, it's upholding knightly duties, yes. he's doing it for honor, duty, yes. all the stuff, versus I want to be that, but I'm not, so I have to prove yes. myself, yeah. One of the words that is used over and over again in relation to Sir Gawain is the word courteous. Somebody did a data analysis and courteous, courtesy, courteously is used 178 times in all of the writings mm. about Sir Gawain through all the Ar Arthurian literature, not just the Green Knight. So he is kind of like with the Care Bears. <laughs> you know, like he's the courteous knight, uh, the model for even if he's being, I like to I like to imagine even if he's being like, horrible to somebody, he's still <laughs> courteous well, he about it. He was very, yeah. very nice. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's how it's framed for the story. And then what happens with the poem is he goes on this journey because the Green Knight came in, yes. gave him a challenge. He chops his head off and then says, you have to come back and face me in a year and I'm going to slice you. All of that is basically the same. But the getting to him a year after is only a few stanzas of the poem. And that is the bulk of the film. Yes, that's most of the film. So that's kind of where David Lowry took these few stanzas. And I'll, I'll read versus the translation that I read. He said, mm -hmm. it's almost comical in the, in the way they just gloss it over. Uh, this is a direct quote. He said, he faced so many trials there in the hills, I couldn't recount a small fraction of them. He fought dragons, sometimes wolves or trolls of the forest. He fought wild bulls and bears and boars and giants who stalked him from the fells above. And then it goes into, and then he gets to this castle. So all of the wow. movie is from that. So David could just go any direction. <laughs> well, yeah, essentially. Uh, but <laughs> I thought what was interesting was he does pull from a lot of the older stuff, the older Welsh history that got yes. lost as centuries pass. So one of the things that the Green Knight stays with is this beheading quid pro quo, I guess, yes. of you do this and then I get to do it later. So 
originally well, the whole yeah. thing is set up in the challenge is whatever you do to me we meet a year later and yeah. i will do to you and mm-hmm. it's all about how seriously do you take this uh, whatever whatever you do i will do back but if it's just a game or are you even a spe- are you spirit are you real uh if you could just do what all you could do mm-hmm. that will come harking back for you are you present mind enough to understand the challenge ahead of you? What is happen- What is this challenge really? Mm-hmm. This is a story of taking advantage of a situation. The Green Knight lays his, his neck open for him, and mm-hmm. he, takes, he takes the shot. And it's almost in a delight of like, well, this, you, I told you the rules. Uh, and <laughs> right. it, it was a very much of not taking seriously of what this, this challenge really was. It really, I, I was speaking a lot. I mean, the, the themes of this coming of age and really becoming a man and, and having some, a tale to tell. Yeah. Uh, the, it was all alive in just that inciting incident there. If, however far he goes is how far this is going to go. It's all up to him. Because he has motive. Because we're so accustomed to the idea of a knight and they have to uphold their knightly duties versus, oh, I'm not a knight yet and I have a yes. lot more skin in the game. So that's yes. what is similar as you're talking about this. It's interesting you mentioned the word game as far as the beheading game because it that is what it is historically and has been utilized in other pieces of literature for the time. So there was an 8th century Middle Irish tale and I'm going to butcher the Irish pronunciations, but Cahullan was an Irish demigod. Yeah, sorry. A <laughs> troublemaker disguises himself and challenges three warriors to say that it's, a, it's the exact same thing of like, behead me, and then you get beheaded. And so two of the other ones flee and don't return. Only Cahullan does. And he's spared because of his bravery and declared champion. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then it reappears again in a 12th century French narrative, which is also the earliest sort of quest for the Grail story, as well as in the 13th century with Lancelot encounters this beheading mm. uh, wager. So it isn't unknown that this was kind of a, a symbol for, for all the stuff you're mentioning as far as the thematics. Very good. So it's yeah. rich. The, the yeah. gesture is rich. So if you were to make a Green Knight adaptation, you could not change that. And he has kept the premise <laughs> of the whole thing. We find that, yeah. And obviously the Green Man means must mean something. <laughs> you know, it's so bizarre and seems so fantastical, but it has been... It. It has been everywhere. It's a symbol of spring rebirth. The face yeah. surrounded by leaves is such a iconic, like a, a, a gnarled wooden... Scroot. man. No, yeah, man's <laughs> face in a tree, that kind of thing. It's in Lebanon, it's in Iraq in the second century, it's in Borneo, yeah. it's in Nepal, it's carved in churches in Europe and Jerusalem, like that sort of symbol of spring. It couldn't a be a more space. tribal, mm-hmm. uh, internal reaction. You know, it, it, it looking, our, our minds are suited to look for faces where there aren't any faces. So mm-hmm. then to find a face in a tree, Nature. to find, yeah. oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the way that this character is brought to life, the way this character is shot, um, just some light and the hues that they use with him. It's a, an incredibly captivating character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorite fantasy characters I've seen on a, like a uh, live action uh, piece in a long yeah. time. Some of the other stuff that he encounters in this stanza or two that uh, David Lowry expands upon. Two things come from the oldest Arthurian tale, mm-hmm. Colholan and Olwen, same 
Irish demigod, but Arthur has to rely on an interpreter who talks to animals. And so that's kind of the talking animal piece mm. comes in in this way, as well as in this Arthur story, Arthur is a giant slayer in the Welsh tradition. Yes. And so the cow tea, which I'm definitely, I'm sorry if you're Welsh, please correct me. Sorry. Uh, sorry. But the Welsh giants, but they're not, I know in the movie, they're insane they're just larger people in in Welsh lore. They're not these yeah yeah then the creatures. They were pretty magnificent, um, <laughs> and so and they were actual. I love the way that they were done because you could tell that they're really shot people and they're helped out with mm -hmm. CG and put and composited into the scene. But they're a real element. And David Lowry uses it since he made it more fantastical in a thematic sense because it's like he's trying to cheat and get on their shoulders to skip the journey, kind of like with Lord of the Rings, where they're like, oh, why didn't yeah. they just take yeah. the yeah, eagles, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. can you just take me on your shoulder? <laughs> yeah, and literally trying to stand on the shoulders of giants when he hasn't done anything. Yeah. Yeah. So in the poem, there's a mention that Sir Gawain passes the holy head. David Lowry looks this up, and it's a woman who was a martyr in the 8th century whose fiancé cut off her head when she told him she wanted to become a nun. And then mm. the mythos of it is that a healing spring appeared where her head fell. So he saw this as like, oh, this is a mythological piece that would be like, yes. oh, he walked past McDonald's. Well, everybody now knows what McDonald's is. If you mentioned the holy head, everybody reading right. the poem would have gotten that. So he adds that as a piece, St. Winifred, funny. where yeah. he has to find that woman's head. That That Love is it. also another challenge. And then the scavenger guy is not in the poem either. But what he does draw from from way back where I said King Arthur was said to have killed 900 men all on his own. Yeah. That's kind of what it's reminiscent of, the battlefield inspired by the Battle of Baden, which is where King Arthur mm -hmm. first gets, not even king, but his claim to fame and sort of questions mm -hmm. his peaceful reign. So wow. he's, yeah, so he's definitely with all of the, the challenges and trials pulling, pulling from more of the older stuff. Well, with that, these boiled down into metaphors, they were so simple mm -hmm. to understand. You know, one, yes. you get this piece and you have to do the thing for her and put it together and right or wrong. And, you know, and, and it's just a piece of the journey. And it's just very simple to contextualize and then understand what then it comes back and what what do these choices add up to? Yeah. Um, and that's much of the film is what do my choices add up to? <laughs> and so I think you can draw because in the poem, the code of knighthood and chivalry, they specifically mention, and this is the first recorded use of the word pentangle. Which, was, which is just a five-pointed star, but it's the symbol on Sir Gawain's shield. And it's 46 mm. lines of the poem are used to describe this thing and what it means. Mm -hmm. Nothing else gets that much description. And so it's about the five values of chivalry that a knight has, generosity, chastity, friendship, courtesy, and piety. And it's loosely, mm. from what I could tell, in the movie, David Lowry takes this as sort of the five tasks he has to accomplish. And like the fox represents friendship, and mm. the scavenger represents generosity, and he fails all of them in the yes. movie. So that's yes. kind of interesting, too, that he's pulling... He fails every single one of them. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah so he's pulling all the five, the traditional five Absolutely tenets of being beautiful. a knight into that. Oh. I just wanted to bring that up. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so much go. more that's layered. The there's the key. Yeah, there's the key to the script. So you got this outline. Okay, he wants to be a knight. What are the five rules? How am I going to have him break every <laughs> single one? And the whole movie yep. being about how my choices have led me to this. Mm -hmm. That's so simple. <laughs> it's it's bizarre that's, that's, that's so only, beautiful. Mm -hmm. That that's only the 
two stanzas, and then what the heck's the rest of the poem? Gosh. There's the But that it, all to say, look, he found what was workable and he found something mm-hmm. with a with that had somewhere to go. Uh mm-hmm. th- what that's when you're doing something like this and you're dredging deep and you gotta take what's pertinent and leave behind what's not. And sometimes it might mm-hmm. just be two lines buried in hundred and one stanzas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you or know, that's that, the modern that's the story. work. That yeah. is the yeah. work of doing yeah. this and understanding what that means, and then taking two lines and doing an entire di- deep dive into what in the world that could be. And there, mm-hmm. by the time you've done that, you've already done enough that could fit into a screenplay. But is it your story? And that's where you have to keep mm-hmm. doing these holes over and over again. Uh, yeah. I, I just wanted to highlight about going and taking just what you need and leaving the rest behind. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So speaking of taking what you need, the next piece of the poem that is needed is really the challenges of the poem versus the movie, and that is this lady and lord that he comes upon, which is very shortly before he has to Mm -hmm. do his dealings with the Green Knight. And so this is more about the chivalric code of the time, sexuality coming into the fore, Mm -hmm. because he's there, and this is the hunting that the lord is doing. Whatever he gets, he has to exchange with whatever... Sir Gawain got during the day and they make an exchange. And this is sort of one of those fables of like one, two, three. So the lady is trying to seduce him and he only accepts a kiss from her because that's the chivalrous Mm -hmm. thing to do. So then he kisses the Lord and the Lord is like, where did you get this? And he's like, that wasn't part of the deal. It's just to give what I gave you. The next hunt, it's two and the lady says, well, give me two kisses then. And then he does and then gives the Lord two kisses. And then on the third day- she says it's three kisses, but she gives him, she says, you have to have this belt or this girdle. And it is a green sash that's supposed to give him protection from anything. And he thinks, well, this is great. I'm going to keep this. And that's the big error of his ways. And so the hunt that the Lord comes back with, what he has gotten to give him is a fox. And so this is sort of where the symbolism of the fox comes in. Because I know the fox is is a talking animal situation in the film it lingers it lingers um, throughout his journey and then is finally caught mm-hmm. by by the man and given to him again and then after not long after that interaction which the, the it's been popping up time and time just poking his head more often than not kind of showing him the way and he chooses to go the other way <laughs> right. uh, after the fact realizing that it was a really simple thing and then eventually he okay I've, this thing, I got this thing. It was crawling around out here because it's been following him. And here, I, I got this for you. Now they're together. Now they really are thrown in together. There's this thread about the mother um, and maybe mm-hmm. being behind some of the the plot here and why the challenge was sent. And uh, yeah, I, I, it was a yeah, little, yeah. That I'm a little unclear and I don't really, doesn't matter. Uh, right. <laughs> it, it became incon- inconsequential. Yeah. But it, I yeah. felt as if maybe this was the mom speaking through the fox trying to stop him because she doesn't believe mm-hmm. in the green sash thing that she gave in yeah. this in this version she gives him the green sash and then it gets exchanged with maybe the same one he loses it to some thieves and thinks right, maybe right. he found it back but he doesn't know and the the woman gives him to him the uh the, yeah. the lady so the through line for the poem is so by the time he gets to the green knight the green knight fakes him th- two times with the axe and then on the third time just nicks his neck instead of mm lopping his head off. And so it was mm-hmm. revealed that the Green Knight is actually the Lord, Morgan Le Fay, who in the Arthurian legend is a sorceress, but it's not that's not the case in the poem, that it's his mom. 
uh, she created it all as a plot to test the knights. And so Gawain is ashamed of having acted with deception at taking the belt, but he gets mm. to go back because he's impervious and because he showed up and did the work. But from then on out in Camelot, the knights all wear a green sash in remembrance to be honest. So he does come back not fully courteous or involved in all yeah. of the the knight stuff. So so David Lowry adds the mother and son kind of element because he said that was from his own personal life. He said he lived mm. under his mom's roof for far too long. He had a failure to launch syndrome and she had to force him out. And so kind of that messy relationship of, yeah. okay, well, she gives him this green sash, but also sends him out. And was she responsible for all this in the first place? Right, right, um, right. That mother-son dynamic is is holy to the film, but it still had the the poem still has the elements of, oh, this was done by a sorceress to test him, and so when you're talking about the fox, it's ambiguous, but it could have been the mom controlling it all. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. And 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 the the play with the sash and what they do here is the mom gives it to him, and then it gets stolen, and then he go finds the lord and the lady. Mm-hmm. And then the lady has it and says that she made it, but he th- he's looking at it like that's definitely mine. Where did you get it? Um, yeah. And she's like, "No, I made it." And so he he does want it. She gives it to him. And so when he gets down to the encounter, is the sash the sash? Mm-hmm. You think it is, but you don't know. Yeah, yeah. A switch could have happened. And then much of this this third act comes down to is the sash the sash that I know. Or does mm-hmm. it work? Am I putting faith in in silly things? What am am I easily led? All yeah. of that is behind the sash, which I think is so important when he finds himself kneeling before the Green Knight. Uh, yeah, and the, then the film takes off into a bit of a, a, a different turn from that moment, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's all down to the just your choices. I mean. It, are you willing to trust these types of things? Uh, are you mm-hmm. are you led? <laughs> are you easily well, that's, led? Yeah, because and this is the spoiler. They kind I didn't of didn't want to get there before we got there. Well, Sorry, a little yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> um, in the poem, he doesn't get his head chopped off. Like I said, he gets nicked, and then that's kind of a reminder of hey, tell the truth. In a way, they sort of do that with this. Yeah, so you get down to the scenario. Okay, we're gonna do it, and then. He keeps backing out and then eventually backs out entirely and runs away. And then it's a very short succession montage of the next decade of his life about mm-hmm. him ascending to the throne, being knighted, getting all these things. But then the 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 castle coming under fire, coming under hard time, coming under war. He's got real decisions. He's not liked by the people. Uh, he's made bad decisions personally. He's left the woman that he probably should have been with. Now the child is born out of, is taken away from this this poor little woman. You know, it just goes into the, just the wretchedness of where this path would take him to the point Mm -hmm. of devastation. And then he snaps out of it. And he's right back there with his neck exposed to the green knight. And he's he's back in in that moment of hold on I need a minute hold on he's be when he was yeah. chickening out we're back he's back there you sobered up you came out of the dream he's got a minute and like I said the whole movie starts with I'm not ready I'm not a knight now he's ready and he professes that yeah. to the screen and that is the end of the film and you get the sense that that was the lesson the, the Green Knight you know basically has a joke with him there at the end and that that that, that was it. Uh, owning your mistakes, owning your choices, 
as you said, the symbolic thing is like being nicked on the neck in the poem or, or giving him this chance sort of correlates to connecting reasoning, the head with courage, the heart. And so the weakness is the neck, which yes. is the will <laughs> and using it for mm. personal gain. And that's the biggest theme as well as the film leaving it potentially in an ambiguous place of, like you said, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, he learned his lesson. And then in the poem, he learned his lesson and gets to go back, but he has to wear the sash. Oh, that was the other thing with going through. I didn't, that was such the big thing with the rounding out of the sash is the sash is present with him in every moment of that montage, even in the mm. most intimate moments, like you shouldn't well, even you be go. wearing, you know, like, it, you know, but yeah, it's, and, and that, that did the sash save him? <laughs> is this right. the sash stayed with him for a decade he wasn't able to take it off and so now you these yeah. choices lead to you being attached to some silly piece of cloth the fox calls it as much basically telling him to take it off leave it right here it's nothing mm -hmm. almost getting him to profess it's like there, there's nothing special about that thing it's all you uh so it, it was it was pretty amazing to see that through line so just it, it, so simple yeah. And again, I can't, I, I, I can't really uh, express how simple the movie is. The, I want to really harp on the dialogue of this film because there's a, that's a really huge tightrope to walk. Uh, this kind of dialect, this kind of language, uh, what to, on the scale of accessible? How can we go? This threads the needle on such a tone that I think anybody could watch this and get it. It feels mm -hmm. authentic, that it feels like you would be truncated and having trouble with it, but you don't, not at all. It's so simple. It gets right to the point immediately. It is not hard to understand. Um, I think it I, also hard comes- to, It's hard yeah, to express yeah. how little pretense this has because it's <laughs> so accessible and so simple. The visual storytelling of the sass just being there, it was so, yeah. it, it was immediate. And that's because that's present in the poem. David Lowry was saying he's like, something doesn't stick around for 700 years and not be distilled to the most salient element of it. Yeah. We know green. Yeah. Green yeah. represents nature. It represents rebirth. The green sash represents man's nature stuck with him, keeping him imperfect. It's attachments all of the, to all the, yeah, you know, it, it was so symbology symbolic is all to there. just the yeah, silliness yeah. of man. It really was. Uh, and I know he's tied to it because it, did, mm -hmm. did that get him out of it? Or no, I, and I have to keep it because everybody thinks that I killed the monster. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, God, what a yeah, nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, it's yeah. like if, if I don't go through with this, if I don't make the choice right now, if I will wind up in this play, in this horror show where I believe in things yeah. I don't even know are true. So the question being, and this what I thought was interesting, where you're talking about the six months cut change, what changed? David Lowry was saying, I, and he said this throughout production. He want he told kept telling people we want to make something where if he gets his head chopped off at the end, that's the happy ending, which is a hard yeah. thing to do. And that's <laughs> yeah. that's what he kept saying again and again because it's like no 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 of all the stuff you've done, you're finally committing to something of value. You finally understand. Yes. Yes. what being a knight is and that's a positive thing facing it bravely and so it does end on an ambiguous note the green knight sort of mocking him or or saying see there you go but david lowry yeah, saying, he mimes a throat cut and says yeah. off with your head and that's yeah. it and you're really really left to what does that mean to you what what did you get from the tone you know and so, yeah to me i think i on my personal i'm just, really me evan speaking my personal yeah, reaction yeah. i felt that he would be let go so that's that, interesting. You know, yeah. I think anybody, I think it's open. It's intentionally left for you to draw your own yeah. distinction. But that's mine. I think that he would be let go. 
He got it. He kneels yeah. down to him face to face and does the miming of the throat cut off of the yeah. head. So I, I just got the sense. That was the sense of like, okay, you've got it. You've learned your lesson. You understand. Yeah. You understand now. Um, well, and I think so that's what David, I, that's definitely know. what David Lowry wanted because he yeah. said, we can't have, you know, because of modern audiences, because of just the way storytelling we goes, we cannot have Dev Patel's head, head, head on the floor. Wow. <laughs> It'd be a crazy ending, but he was, I think that's where he's saying, he's like, we wanted to get to the place where if that did happen, it would still be seen as right. positive. Yeah. So he doesn't if have you to show it. That's he's still going thing. to die. It is still with an immense amount of gravitas and you would be like, you would be proud of him. <laughs> if that is your inclination for the next moments, uh, yeah. then, then it is a happy, it is like, well, you yeah, then he's, he, like you said, beautifully, he's committed to something. So in a way, I think we've pulled very much the the different thematic energy from the film, sort of the revisionist nature of it versus the poem, because he doesn't have a risk when he's wearing the sash. The poem, in a modern sense, lives through his nightmare of not acquiescing to what the Green Knight was capable of. Uh, I think that what the sash starts to represent through that montage is so simple and so beautiful. It's like you the the value you know the do you invest what are you investing in uh when, when he breaks these five th- in terms of being a knight yeah, yeah what are you investing in with your choices i you know and we, we should be thinking about this in our present day this is a great this is something that really you should you know we've all done this in some way or another we've all gone out and and lived and made mistakes so i think we could all take this as a, as a, as a beautiful lesson. That's what these things are good for. Um, and I'm just so amazed that somebody has brought it to the screen with such a, <laughs> such a, uh, man, uh, this a 24 fantasy is, is, is yeah. right up my alley. This is crazy. <laughs> and hopefully it has given everyone listening some context that they were in a way thinking about this 700 years ago, maybe in terms yeah. of knights and round tables. And I mean, stuff, it's all the same, still, you know, it's all the you same. Know, it's, yeah, all, the it's all the same. It's all the same. We just got to talk about it in a new way and we got to talk yeah. about it in a way that connects with the modern audience. So it's like, we are, that's what I feel when drawing on these old things, like, man, it's all the same. Uh, <laughs> even, we're still trying to understand these bare basic human emotions and it's we're just trying to say it a little bit better we're moving yeah. we're just moving the line on human culture here um so i'm all excited for it and i'm glad you guys have been here with it um thank you taylor this has been an thank awesome you. episode thank you guys for listening along uh we we really appreciate uh, all of the listens. Let us know what you are excited for coming out on streaming or at the theaters. Let us know what you're reading and watching because you never know when we will do that thing you've been wanting to know about all along. <laughs> Reach out to us at IlliteratePod on Instagram. Thank you all so much and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>